Yeah. Don, I hear that. Um, yes. How do you preach after that? Wow. I should just close in prayer. No, just kidding. I won't. Um, you know, Pastor Lynn, uh, you called me Matthew Johnson. Well, there was a joke I was going to share, but I wasn't sure if I should share it. And I felt like that confirmed that I should share it. So literally the first two words are Mrs. Johnson. So (laughs) Mrs. Johnson was fumbling in her purse for her offering when a large television remote fell out and clattered into the aisle. The curious usher bent over to retrieve it for her and whispered, do you always carry your TV remote to church? No, she replied, but my husband refused to come with me this morning, and I figured this was the most evil thing I could do that was legal. (laughs) Hopefully that's not true of uh, some husbands or wives this morning. Um, Wow. I just want to share this, you know... uh, Just for Pastor Rich, um, thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, my name is Matthew Gregory, and my mom told me the story that my dad was a pastor in Baptist Temple in Brooklyn, and his Sunday morning sermon right after they found out that I was pregnant was Matthew leaving the tax collector's booth. So it was like right after they found out I was pregnant. Well, my dad was doing an evening Bible study either on Wednesday or Sunday night on Nehemiah. And Gregory means watchman, and it was the watchmen on the wall who were watching but working. So I just want to confirm that word, that I'm essentially named after Nehemiah. Gregory is what she chose because it means watchman. So thank you for that word. That means a whole lot this morning. So uh, thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit this morning. Um, Okay, just getting settled here. Um, I want to start with a a story. It goes back about nine years in Portland, Oregon. That's where Tess and I met. That's where uh, we met at Multnomah Bible College. Uh, We lived there for 10 years, and I wanted to get away on a retreat. Does anyone feel like that? Sometimes you just want to get away and rest, have a time with the Lord, go to a favorite spot, maybe by the water or somewhere. And I was like, man, I, I was doing fundraising at Multnomah, and I'm like, I just need a day of rest, talk with my boss, got the day off. And I had two buddies at the time who I knew probably needed some rest, or at least one of them. Uh, My buddy Chris, who shared the Father heart of God with me uh, 10 years ago. He's the one, if you've heard me speak, who hugged me and shared Father's love. And then I decided on a retreat to bring my buddy Josh, a street evangelist. If you're trying to have a retreat, there's a little advice, don't bring a street evangelist, okay? That That was a mistake. So we went to the grotto Has anyone ever heard of the Grotto in Portland? Okay. One of the most beautiful places within Portland proper. It's a, you know, technically, if you look it up, it's called a Catholic shrine. Uh, I don't like the word shrine, but there is a rock face, and built into it, there was a natural cave in this rock face in Portland, and there's like a thousand candles burning all the time, and there's statues and all that. I'm not necessarily one for all the statues, but it is one of the most beautiful places in Portland. There's beautiful paths. There's actually an elevator you can take up a couple hundred feet, and they have these giant windows where you can overlook the whole Willamette Valley. So if you're in Portland looking for a nice little walk or retreat, go to the grotto 
in Portland. So anyway, the three of us are there. We had been there like a half an hour, 45 minutes. It's Chris, Josh, and myself. We're at that overlook. No one was in that room. We had it all to ourselves for a little bit. And we're just praying in the spirit. We're reading the word. Chris is over here. Josh is over here. And a lady walks in about 40 or 50 years old. And as soon as she walks in, my buddy Josh, the street evangelist, he's like a Todd White to Portland, said, hey, I feel like I got something for you. Can I, can I share it with you? I'm Josh. And he ends up sharing a prophetic word. And right when he shares it, she just looks at him just like wide-eyed and says, I'll be right back. You three stay here. So she leaves. It's kind of weird. You get a word, you think she'd want to sit and get prayer and all that. And she leaves. But she says, you guys cannot leave. So she goes down the elevator all the way out to the parking lot. By the way, this takes like probably 10 minutes to get down and all the way to the parking lot and back. Well, she comes back with 20 relatives. Like aunts, uncles, grandparents, all that. Full family. Here's the backstory. That morning, she was, during her times of devotion with the Lord, the Lord said, if you go and round up your family and bring them to the grotto, I'm going to bless your whole family. She was about to leave. They had already been there for two hours. She was about to leave in the parking lot as all her family was about to get in their cars. And she listened to the Lord, and she was saying, basically, I thought you said we were going to get blessed, and she didn't feel like that happened. He said, go to the observatory, and I will show you. So that's where we were waiting. So she went up, found us, and said, hold on, before her family left, went down and gathered her family, brought them all up, and one of the most crazy outbreaks of ministry I've ever seen in my life happen, led by Josh, not by me. Well, Holy Spirit through Josh. And words for heart issues, ankle, I, a, a boy's ankle got healed. I remember praying for a family of, or part of the family of three of them. And I, I guess this is a Catholic thing. They literally got on their knees before me and were weeping as I'm praying over them. And I'm like, this isn't Bolivia. This isn't, this is here in Portland. And it just, it just blew my mind. And I think the reason I share that story is it marked me. You guys have had those ministry experience or those experiences with Jesus that mark you. I'll never forget that rest of my life. It's a living memory. But honestly, it was a great correction to me. It was, it lifted me up. And I don't say correction in the sense of getting paddled. I, I say that in the sense of getting called up. Because here my heart was on our retreat, our time alone. And Josh's was on, Jesus, what are you saying in this moment? And who do you want to bless? He corrected me in the best way, I could say. I was a grace connection, or correction. And I think, what if Josh wasn't obedient? Think about it. She was just about to leave. And what if, it's possible, right, that she would come up and he would have, he would have dismissed her. How would that whole family, I mean, what are the rippling effects of their testimonies that I don't know because we didn't have relationship after the fact? What if some of them became preachers? What if, what if families were reconciled? And we spoke reconciliation over their family that day. Powerful words from Chris, the guy who shared the Father's heart. We ministered the Father heart of God. And I say, where would that family be if Josh didn't reach out in love? So I don't know if you're like me, but I feel like a lot of times I miss opportunities. 
You know, these kingdom opportunities. You're at the grocery store, you're in your neighborhood, you're with your family, you might be serving here at church, doing what you're called to do or doing your task list. Does anyone else have task lists? I have daily task lists. Does anyone do that? I have my to-do list every day. And they're great. And God loves when we get stuff done, but how often we're focused on that and not focused on those moments. And so the passage that's on my heart today is a very familiar one, but I'm hoping like the disciples, there's maybe a grace correction for, for you and for me today. It's the parable of the five loaves and the two fish, the feeding of the 5,000. You know, out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's one miracle recorded four times. The only miracle is the feeding of the 5,000. Other than the resurrection of Jesus, it's the only miracle that's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Why why is it the only one included four times? Well, we know that if God repeats something, right, it's probably important. We should listen up, right? Four times. I also believe, as I was just pondering this and praying, that, you know, the, the parable of the sower, right, and the seeds? Jesus says, if you don't understand that, you won't understand the rest. I believe As that is to all parables, so the parable of the five loaves and the two fish are to all the miracles of Jesus. Now, he doesn't say that in Scripture. I'm just going by what I feel like the Lord has shared about for me about that passage. But I I just want to put that out there today, that maybe there's a reason it's four times. Maybe there's a reason Matthew has it, Mark has it by the Spirit, Luke has it, and John has it. And they all share little different details, but essentially the same story. Do you guys remember when Bethel was here two weeks ago? Hopefully you remember and you haven't forgotten. Raise your hand if you were blessed by someone from Bethel, by the Lord. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Teams have been coming for, what, eight years, nine years, and we were all talking as staff. This team particularly, um, you know, you don't want to compare and contrast per se, but this team was mature, and I just saw the amount of hands. It was about 80, 90% of you were blessed. First off, I want to say, they were ready for kingdom moments. And I felt like I got corrected again. Called up. That's what I mean by correct. Called up. That holy correction, you're called up. You know, even here, being a pastor and all that, it was so good having these 18, 19, 22-year-olds ready to prophesy, ready to speak healing, ready to get on their knees, ready to weep. And do you remember... It's so important we remember, like, the prophetic words this morning. I want to go back and listen to those. I don't know if you do that. Who here not only gets a prophecy, but they go back and they listen to it? Pray about it. Seek the Lord on it. If you're not doing that, I highly recommend you do that. Highly recommend that. Because that person may have shared one little thing, and God has a whole story for you. Okay? Peter Haynes. Remember Peter, the revival pastor? He shared Thursday night and Sunday morning words for Valley. Prophetic words for all of you. You're all included. That's not just for the pastoral staff, for the elders. That's for all of you. And he said twice, I feel like particularly the five loaves and the two fishes are for this church. Do you remember him saying that? But he didn't really, if I remember, didn't go into detail as to why. Well, I had already 
been talking with the Lord, if I preach again soon, I want to preach on this passage. And I feel like there's a lot of revelation he's shown me that, I, that is for Valley Church. So really, I, what I'm doing this morning is what Peter gave the word by the Spirit, I hope to begin to unpack why the five loaves and the two fish is for every single person in this building today. So that's, that's where we're going. And I got, I got limited time, but God can do abundant things in minutes. So I'm trusting him with the five loaves and the two fish for myself this morning. So I'm going to read the passage here. If you, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Mark chapter 6. I, I, I was, which one I was going to use, I, I ended up feeling like I wanted to go with Mark this time. Mark chapter 6, verse 30, and you can look up, it's right there. This is the New King, uh, New King James Version. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Have a personal retreat. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they had nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to them, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish, five loaves, two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups in the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, a lot of the stories and miracles of Jesus are sometimes hard to understand. Am I, am I the only one? You might have read it a hundred times and you see something, you're like, how did I not see that? But a lot of things in the Gospels are kind of veiled. He hadn't died and risen from the, risen from the grave or poured out the Spirit yet. And so a lot, of, a lot of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is mysterious. A lot of what Jesus did even the disciples were constantly having trouble understanding what in the world was that about. And this one particularly, in multiple Gospels, he says, you've forgotten about the loaves and the fish. You've forgotten about the loaves and the fish. Again, that's another pointer. This is one of the miracles Jesus himself says, you forgot about the loaves and the fish. Maybe we shouldn't forget about the loaves and the fish too. So again, I want to emphasize, I really believe that this miracle is critical, is key to understanding the rest. So 
I'm a numbers guy. Anyone else numbers? You like numbers? I love numbers. I love the prophetic significance of numbers. You've heard me say before, I like looking at license plates, all that, and seeing numbers. I believe in this passage specifically, there's one number that is a clue to really what's going on. And actually, not just in the story, but to the whole life of Jesus. And that's the number five. Five loaves and two fish. Mark is the only one who says, and they got in groups of 50 and 100. And then Mark says, 5,000. But that's 5,000 men. So really there was eight, 12,000. But he chose to say 5,000. Why not 12,000? It was probably 13, 14. Again, there's a purpose with five. If you look at Old Testament, the number five consistently points towards one thing, grace and favor, grace and favor, grace and favor, grace and favor. The fifth time Noah's Noah's mentioned, the fifth time his name shows up and he found favor or grace in the sight of God. For Samuel, first time David is ever mentioned in 1 Samuel, the fifth time it says he found favor in the eyes of Saul. There were five different offerings in the Old Testament pointing to the grace of Christ's sacrifice. Remember when David was fighting Goliath? He he didn't get one stone. How many did he get? He got five because it wouldn't be by the strength of man, it would be by the grace of God that he would overcome. You can go again and again and again, even the building of the, the tabernacle and all that. There's so many five combinations, 25, 250, multiples of five. God was, although veiled, Again, referring to the last time I preached, if you guys remember, all this was leading up to the grace poured out in Jesus Christ. So here in this passage, somehow grace and favor have to do with this passage. I want us to go to John 1.14. Let's go to John 1.14. You know, sometimes, this is one thing we learned, Tess and I learned in Bible college, and they hammered home, especially one professor, Professor Ray Lubeck. He would say again and again, Scripture interprets Scripture. If you want to understand this book of the Bible, then use this book of the Bible. And I have a lot of head shakes from our, one of our head Bible teacher here, Pastor Rich. Scripture interprets Scripture. So if you're not understanding a Scripture, say, Holy Spirit, what's another Scripture that will help inform the Scripture? Scripture interprets, just remember, write that down. Scripture interprets Scripture. If you're like, man, I, I don't read the Word, I want to get in the Word, but I don't understand it. Well, first off, you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't, we want to pray for you that you receive the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Because the Holy Spirit's your teacher, not me, not any of the pastors, first and foremost. Yeah, I think that deserves a a hand clap. Yes. Your first pastor or teacher, if you will, is none of us. It's the Holy Spirit. But you also have Scripture that the Holy Spirit can highlight to inform other Scriptures. So, John chapter 1, verse 14 And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, John gives us the big picture. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were about 100 feet off the ground. John, he goes into outer space. (laughs) I mean, his opening line is, in the beginning was the word. And he's talking about before creation, right? Right? So John gives us, he's a great gospel to read and then go back to Matthew, Mark, and Luke and then put on John's glasses, okay? So we're going to get some of John's glasses before we go back into this passage, okay? 
We know that the whole ministry of Jesus was the word that was with the Father becoming flesh, and we have seen his glory. But what did glory look like? Full of grace and truth. Jesus was grace on display, the unmerited, undeserved, you can never earn it, love of God, that you can never earn, never deserve, never merit, love of God poured out. But also, if you remember last time I preached, it's also the supernatural power of God to us and through us. Is it love? Is it power? Yes. Grace is both, right? So Jesus' life was a full display of the grace of God. Let's go to Romans 5, 17. Romans 5, 17. Romans 5, 17. Awesome verse. For if by the one man's offense, we're talking Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I recommend you spend about a couple years in this verse. 25, maybe 50. Um, quick, quick summation. Paul is comparing the effect of Adam's sin, his sin of transgression in the garden. How much, 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 much more is the result of Jesus Christ's obedience, death, and resurrection that we might receive abundance. That word is overflow in the Greek. Overflow, 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 overflow. The life of grace that God has for us is an overflow life. Overflow of grace. Yeah, and I, I want to just succinctly say it here. This is the main point. I don't know if you can read that there. If you only take away one thing and you forget everything else I say, I believe this is what the Father wants to communicate. We're going to go back to the five loaves and the two fish and here in a little bit. You see, Jesus lived out Romans 5.17. It's not just what he released for you guys. Does that make sense, what I'm saying here? So we can take Paul, who's talking about how do we reign in this new life, this new creation as the body of Christ, through the abundance of grace and righteousness through the one man, Jesus Christ. So what was happening? Did Jesus live that out? Yes. So we go back to the five loaves and the two fish, and we realize Jesus knew something. You see, Jesus, Jesus lived in a reality that he was trying to get his disciples to see. But now, because we have the gospel, the finished work as was shared this morning, we now have revelation as to how Jesus walked and how he ruled and how the miracles happened. And I believe this sums it up right here. The receiving of Father's inexhaustible grace within us overflows, giving us new eyes to see and seize the kingdom opportunities around us. Yes. I'm going to read it again, because again, if you take away one thing that you bring back to the Holy Spirit to unveil to you more even is this. The receiving of Father's inexhaustible grace within us overflows, giving us new eyes to see and then seize the kingdom opportunities around us. That's what Josh was doing that day. And I was called up higher because he was reigning in life. He wasn't just receiving his grace. He received enough of it to where his eyes were different so he could see an opportunity in this woman that I didn't see. 
But then he seized it and he stepped out. And the kingdom of God manifests there. And I was going, this is the kingdom of God. Like literally, these 20 people getting healed, getting saved, getting reconciled, them on their knees, just, it changed the whole course. We talked, there was a word this morning about generational cycles. That's what was happening in that moment. And I just, I was just incredible. But it took a Josh to receive Father's inexhaustible grace within him, overflowing, giving him new eyes to see and seize the kingdom opportunities around him. And I got to be a part of that because he stepped out. How many opportunities does God give us on a daily basis that we don't seize? I think a lot. Let's go back to, let's go back to the five loaves and the two fish. Let's go back to Mark 6 here. So you can turn back to your Bibles to Mark 6. So now we have lenses, right? We know he came full of grace. We know from Paul in Romans 5.17, that we're to reign in the kingdom through the abundance of grace and righteousness. Let's take those lenses and go back and now look at the story of Jesus. Let's go to, let's go to verse 34. Chapter 6, verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. I believe Jesus was abiding in his Father. If you read the Gospel of John, he was always receiving Father's love. That bubbled up in tremendous compassion, and he saw sheep without a shepherd. They saw a nuisance. Send them away. How often do we send them away? I send them away. But you see, see, this isn't like, oh man, Superman Jesus, I can't be like Jesus. No, Jesus walked by grace. You ever think about that? I mean, I know I preach on it, we talk about it, we all love the grace of God, but we think somehow maybe Jesus is in a different category. He didn't need the grace of the Father. He could just do it on his own. No, the grace of God within him bubbled out to where compassion came out by the Holy Spirit and Jesus didn't see an annoying crowd of people that were following wherever he went to disrupt their vacation. He saw the nations. He saw sheep without a shepherd. So what does he do? He seizes the opportunity, begins teaching them revelation. (laughs) He gives them revelation. New eyes, overflow, new eyes, new eyes. He teaches the crowd, and then he calls his disciples to seize the moment. He says, you give them something to eat. Now, if you read every story of the, the five loaves and the two fish, the disciples missed it every time. <laughs> they, they never got it. You can read every account. They essentially failed the test. But that was all a setup for the cross and the resurrection. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it even says in John's gospel, then they understood when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Then they understood. You are those who have the Holy Spirit. So we have understanding of this passage. We have, we, you have Holy Spirit lenses. Or you could say presence lenses. Or grace lenses. Grace and presence, they're not the same thing, but they're really interchangeable. So when, when I hear people talk about the presence, I often just immediately think of his grace, Jesus within me as his grace. But it's okay. If you think presence, grace, we're talking the same thing. 
Jesus had new, new eyes. Linda, if you could go to John 4, 31. So this isn't the story of the five loaves and the two fish. This is the Samaritan woman. How many love the Samaritan woman story? I love that story. I've always loved this story. Because he was unleashing in her the overflow from within her. So she'd never have to go to him or an external well, externally, right? This is really a story about overflow of grace. But I want to emphasize this. Uh, Let's go to verse 31, 431. So the disciples come back, right? And Jesus was talking with a woman, which shocked them. Never mind a woman, a Samaritan woman. And again, like the disciples, like you and I, they're thinking natural, where he's thinking kingdom opportunity. And he says, Rabbi, eat. You got to eat some food. And then going down to verse 32, what's Jesus' reply? I have food to eat of which you do not know. What was that food? What was the food Jesus was eating? Let's keep going to 33. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Again, they're here. Where you and I often are, right? If we're honest, I know I go there all the time. It's my task list. And I'm at Albertsons. I got to focus on that, right? Okay, let's keep going here. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What was the whole story before? What was that work? To go find the Samaritan woman and allow the grace of the Father to overflow and so she would have an encounter with the grace of God. That's my paraphrase. So that the well and the overflow in her would begin to sprout up and she'd go and she changed the whole town. It says she dropped her pot and ran into the city. If you guys have watched The Chosen, there's an episode on that and it is one of my, probably my favorite episode. My food. Jesus was eating a food that I want to eat, and I've been getting really hungry for it lately. Because it's a food beyond you just going through the motions of your day. But it's where you're enjoying Father's grace to the point it bubbles up so much that he gives you new glasses. And you go, oh, they're hurting? They need a hug. Let me open that door for them. Not because you have to, not because that's the religious right thing to do. You want to. Because his compassion by his grace bubbles up and all of a sudden you go, I saw that person yesterday, but they look totally different. All of a sudden I'm seeing them with totally new glasses. And what does he say? Let's go, let, let's read this again, this main point. The receiving of Father's inexhaustible grace within us overflows, giving us new eyes to see and seize the kingdom opportunities around us. Those are the glasses. I believe this is what Peter was getting at. Peter Haynes, the five loaves and the two fish. This story here. And inexhaustible. We talked about overflow. We talked about new eyes. Inexhaustible. Five loaves and two fish fed how many? 5,000. Probably 10 or 12. Think of, think of when we step out in simple obedience from the overflow of God's grace, he can take one kind word and change someone's life. That's like taking the boys five loaves and two fish. And when it's broken and offered up with thanksgiving, with a thankful heart, by the way, thanksgiving, you know what's right in the Greek in the middle of that? Charis, grace. So it's like, how, how, Matthew, do I walk in this grace? 
Start your morning, just begin to give thanks for things, and the grace of God will bubble up in you. Who here has given thanks to the point where it bubbles up? You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, it's easy to wake up and you haven't had enough coffee and didn't sleep the best the night before, but man, the mornings that I, by the, by the Spirit, take a moment to say, thank you for this, thank you for this, thank you for this. May take a minute, may take five, may take ten, and all of a sudden I start weeping because it's grace. He pours out his grace, we give thanks, he pours out grace again. It's this cycle, it's this cycle. But again, inexhaustible. I want you to know that. That word, every word here I prayed about, I, 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 I'll just share this. I edited this like a hundred times. Why? Because I want it to be perfect? No, because I wanted it to be what the Father wanted to communicate as best as possible. It's inexhaustible. Do you know that his grace is inexhaustible? You can't ex- exhaust his unmerited love and his power for you and towards you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. So action items, right? We can hear a good word, but if we, our, our lives aren't different, it's all just tickling our ears. I got th- we got three action items. If you like, just simple, how can I apply this? There's three words. Soak, see, seize. Soak, see, seize. Pastor Tim this morning was talking about, let's just soak. We do that as a church. What do I mean by soak? You take a sponge. It soaks up the water. The ground this morning was being soaked by rain. And we, on a day-to-day basis, sometimes I, I have to do it every hour, sometimes I have to do it more. I need your grace again. I need your grace again. We soak in his presence. When we talk about soaking in the presence, that's when God's grace comes to us and bubbles up out of us. But he doesn't want you just to soak a little. He wants you to soak enough to where it begins bubbling up. That overflow happens. And what happens? Do you notice how your eyes change? Your perspective changes? You go from lack to abundance. You go from problems to I have a solution already. Remember back to the, uh, the, the Samaritan woman and he says, I have food you don't know. He says, look up. The fields are already white. You say four months and then the harvest. See, when you have new eyes, God collapses time because you're going off of the inexhaustible grace within, not on the laws of nature. It's ludicrous for him to say four months and then the harvest. And especially if you're a farmer here or been a farmer. I mean, think about it. That probably had a certain kind of offense to the natural. But he said, look up. He wasn't just saying, look up physically. He was saying, get new eyes. The harvest is ripe right now. That's why I went to the Samaritan woman, because I don't see a broken woman Samaritan who I shouldn't be talking with that I need to avoid. I see the new creation of what I'm dying for. Lift up your eyes. So we, we soak in his presence to the point where we have new glasses and we begin to see the Samaritan woman's, and we begin to see these opportunities. And then we seize, like Josh did. He said, I have a word for you. Can I pray for you? We seize the opportunity. We step in. Again, I want to read just that, one, that main point one more time. 
right here, the receiving of Father's inexhaustible grace within us overflows, giving us new eyes to see and to seize the kingdom opportunities around us. This was the life Jesus, I encourage you, go back to the scripture and say, I'm going to put on the glasses of that, that, that slide right there. Put on the glasses and then go, I'm going to read the miracles. I'm going to read the teachings of Jesus. And you'll start seeing stuff. You'll start making connections and going, Jesus, you're so wonderful. You, you were thinking and loving here and the disciples were, were down here. I just want to give a little plug here. You know, maybe you're hearing this and I bet you there's some, maybe a lot going. I, I love everything you're saying. I, I kind of get it, but I don't, I don't know how to receive God's grace. And I bet you there's at least a few here. Maybe there's a lot. And I just want to say this. Jesus was compassionate. He came to heal the brokenhearted. And if you know, you may not have shared it with anyone, that there's brokenness in your heart because of hurts from others. God wants to heal that. He is tender. He doesn't want you just to shape up and get your actions right. Because you can have all your actions right and be bleeding inside. I did it for many years. But he wants you to know, I just go back to what I believe Pastor Tim was saying. It doesn't matter. It was the Holy Spirit. You have a father who loves you who loves when you sit up on his lap in his arms. He wants to embrace you and he wants to heal all those broken places that are obstructions to his grace and his love flowing to you and through you because he has a life of overflow for you. If you're like, I'm not living a life of overflow, then you need an encounter with Father's love. I'm going to give a plug. I've never even heard him speak, but I know the man who recommended that he come. Spencer's coming this weekend. Never met the man, but I know he carries an anointing to release the Father heart of God. My life was changed to where I could begin living this overflow life because a man embraced me and the Holy Spirit used him to break off my hurts and my pains. If you're in that category and you're like, I just, I love what you're saying, but I don't know how to live that. I have no clue what you're talking about. I highly encourage you come next Friday, next Saturday, next Sunday with an open heart and saying, Father, I want to know your love. If you come with that openness of heart, I believe God's going to encounter a lot of people. I'm super excited. It's been, I've been on the calendar for a while, ever since I heard he was coming. I want to close it with this. We can rise to our feet. I got one more quick verse, one, one, one or two verses here. If you guys want to rise up, if the prayer team wants to come up. Ephesians. How many love Ephesians? Yes. Talk about the love of the Father and Jesus. And, and this will be a benediction of sorts. Uh, this is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. <laughs> yeah. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. Notice this. Let me say it again. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask wait a minute, or think, or even imagine, 
according to his power that works in us. Yeah. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. You know, okay, one quick quick thing. Dynamite is in there twice. Where we get the word dynamite, two times. There is dynamite power. But what is his power if not his love and his grace? I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for Jesus, full of grace. I thank you, Jesus, that time and time again, we're just like the disciples. We're no different. And we don't get it. We miss it. We confess that. We, we are thinking on such a low level and you're ready to bless the nations. You're ready to pour out your grace. So God, I would pray we just repent from missing opportunities because we're focused on earthly things. Father, would you give us strength to receive your grace this morning? To receive your inexhaustible grace and Father, give us new eyes for those around us. Give us new eyes for coworkers. Give us new eyes for our family. Give us new eyes for the strangers that we meet when we walk and talk and when we go into the grocery store or even when we're on vacation trying to get time away. Would you give us your eyes, Jesus, that we could see like you saw? And Jesus, give us courage to seize those opportunities, to cross the chicken line, to take a risk to open our mouth and share a word that we don't even know if is accurate or not, but we're willing to step out. To offer up our five loaves and two fish, although it's just $5 or $10, but you want to multiply it. So Father, I thank you for each one here and I thank you for all the opportunities that you're going to present with us even today and this week to live out this word because you don't want your word to return void. So I thank you in advance that each one here is going to have opportunities to obey this word this week or to reject it. But by your grace, we will obey. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have an awesome day. Stay, fellowship, the coffee shop's open, and the prayer team is here. Seriously, if you have a need, please come up and receive prayer this morning. Thank you for coming. Have an